You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mzbcstudents. So me and the uh, junior hires have been walking through the book of Galatians. Uh, We just started a couple weeks ago and it's been a great journey so far. Uh, Tonight, we are going to look at the entire chapter uh, the, the entire chapter of chapter two, the entire chapter of chapter two, I don't know how those words are supposed to go, whatever, chapter two, the entire thing uh, of Galatians, which means we got to move quick tonight, okay, there's a lot in there, uh, but it, Paul's talking about this, this, he's leading toward one thing, and so I don't, I don't want us to miss out on this, but, but first, for those who've not been hanging out with us, chapter one, the main idea that, that we keep coming back to over and over and over again in the book of Galatians is really kind of the driving force uh, of the whole book. And I don't want you to miss this, okay? The driving force of Paul's, the entire letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians is this, that God's happiness in you is not based on your performance for him. All right? But God's happiness in you is based on Jesus' performance for you, meaning his death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel, right? So God's love for us does not increase or decrease based on anything that we bring to the table, anything that we do. In some ways, that's kind of freeing, right? Like, oh, all right, so it's not, it's not about me. That's good because I'm terrible, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty terrible. And so if it, if it were up to me, I would, I'd never get to be in a relationship uh, with God. So it's kind of freeing on one hand, but then on the other hand, it's also kind of frustrating because if I can't do anything, for God, then what do I do? What is all this about? What is what is this Christian life about? What 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 am I striving toward? If I can't do anything, then what then what do I do? Well, that may be uh, that question may be needed to be phrased in a different way. But in that answering that question in that way, and what what are we supposed to do for God? In the answer to that lies some of the secrets, supposedly. Um, that aren't so secret if you really if you really dig in. The secrets to the Christian life, the way we're supposed to live as Christians, those of us in the room who have put our faith uh, in Jesus. Although we can't earn uh, favor with God and we can't, uh, yeah, although we can't earn, earn favor with God, Paul does talk about in other parts of Scripture um, being trying to please God. And he's one of the examples of we're supposed to follow, right? And so he talks about pleasing God and, and making God happy. But then he talks about in Galatians that we're not, that's not, what it's all about, right? And so what what does it mean to be pleasing to God, but also what we do doesn't necessarily change how much he loves us uh, or not? So let's, let's look at uh, chapter two, okay? It'll be a little bit before we really look physically at the chapter. There, there are three main sections of this chapter. There are two illustrations, and I'm going to just walk us through those, that are um, negative things, interactions that Paul has that give us examples of things as Christians we're supposed to be fighting against or moving away from, okay? And then the last section uh, of chapter two is where we're going to really dig in and we're going to pull out some of these truths that we can walk away knowing a little better what it, what it means to live as a Christian, okay? So the first two, uh, or first section, sorry, um, the first section, verses one through 10, Paul talks about coming into Jerusalem, okay? He comes into uh, Jerusalem to confront some false teachers, I gotta take a breath, all right? I came up like raring to go. I gotta slow down a little bit. All right, so he comes into Jerusalem 
to confront these false teachers. Uh, they're known as the Judaizers. There's some other names that, that other translations use for them or whatever. But it's this group of Jewish men who believed in Jesus, but they also believed that anybody who believed in Jesus, regardless of whether you were Jewish or not, also had to follow the, the rules and, and rituals of Judaism. So you basically, you had to... You had to believe in Jesus, but then also you had to be Jew. You had to be Jewish, and that's uh, and so so they're teaching this uh, in Jerusalem, and and they're they're so convincing, or at least so forceful with it, that some of the leaders, the key Christian leaders like Barnabas, uh, were actually kind of starting to to side with them a little bit and starting to to believe what they were teaching. And so Paul comes in. Um, we'll see in a minute uh, the way Paul is. He's he's a pretty direct dude. He likes to come in and like kick butt and take names and just like get straight to the heart of the matter. Uh, and so he comes into town and there, so these Judaizers are trying to force this guy named Titus to follow one of the Jewish rituals. And, uh, and really if, if they're successful in the, in the, the Christian culture in Jerusalem at this time, it would, it would shift a lot of the momentum in the wrong way. If they're successful at getting uh, Titus to, to go through with this Jewish ritual, then they've, they've basically kind of won uh, and have a foothold in this false, this false doctrine. And so Paul comes in to push back against them because what they're doing is they're following, they're, they're, they've fallen into what's called legalism, right? They've fallen into legalism. So there's going to be some, uh, some sections um, in e each one here. So legalism, kind of roughly defined here in what we're talking about, is right behavior with wrong belief. And what I mean, because you might think all oh, these guys are like trying to force this guy to do something or whatever. And so that's, that's kind of bad, but their, their intent was to please God. They were doing things there. These rules and the way they were living was, was a way of living a good life, the way of being um, a good neighbor, the way of, of, of supposedly honoring God. And so the things that they were doing were not necessarily bad things in of themselves, but the core belief that drove why they followed these rules was wrong. And so this, this legalism that they were following, saying that, that, yeah, Jesus is good, but then you have to be like us. You have to follow these rules. You have to follow these rituals. Is this, is this defined? Right behavior was wrong belief. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't really struggle with, with having to follow, like, Jewish rules and, and rituals and stuff. I mean, you might. That's, that's cool, I guess. But I don't, I don't personally. I'm, like, as Gentile as they come. Um, but legalism looks different. And we've talked about this, uh, junior hires, don't check out, right? We've talked about this a little bit, okay? Legalism looks a little different in our time, right? So right behavior with wrong beliefs. So some of the things that we do, uh, quiet times, Bible studies, coming to greenhouse, being nice to people, helping your neighbors, all these things are good things in and of themselves, right? This means yes. Yep, this means yes. Yeah. So all of these things that, that we're called to do, and me and Britton tell you all the time we should be about doing these things, those are good things, but if you're participating in those things and you stop and think, what's your motivation? Like if you skipped Bible study today, say you're doing a Bible study and you, you skipped it today or couldn't do it, do you think, I, I'm, the reason I'm using this example is because I'm guilty of this sometimes. I think, oh, God didn't love me as much today, right? Like I didn't get to connect with God and so I've lost some of that relationship, whatever, but that's not at all, that, and so my, my motivation for doing Bible study is wrong, Right? These are good things in and of themselves, but our motivation should not be to make God happier, to make him love us more, because the things that we do have no effect on how much God loves us more or less, right? 
So legalism is something that Paul's pushing back against. So Paul's story here should be uh, to, should serve as a reminder to Christians that our faith and belief in Jesus alone brings us true freedom. Our faith and belief in Jesus alone. No added rules, no added things. Our faith in Jesus alone brings us freedom. So then Paul goes on to tell uh, another story. So there's this one we're talking about, uh, legalism, right behavior with wrong belief. And so we go into this next section, and he, and he pushes back, and he fights against hypocrisy. Next slide. Hypocrisy uh, is right belief with the wrong behavior. So let's, let's look at the story, okay? So he comes into Paul, different time, comes into a place called Antioch, and Peter the Apostle Peter, yeah, that guy who like, got to hang out with Jesus is one of like the first Christians, and Jesus said like the whole Christian church faith and everything was basically going to be founded on Peter. He comes in and finds Peter basically being a hypocrite. So Peter was really good early on about hanging out with the Gentiles, eating meals with them, and in that time eating a meal with somebody was like a big deal. It was a sign of approval of that person, and, and it was relationship building and, and all kinds of things. And so Peter... Being Jewish, it was very much against the Jewish way of life to hang out and spend time with Gentiles at all. But Peter was full on doing this a lot. But in Antioch, this group again, these false teachers, these Judaizers, they come in and they had, they had so influenced Peter or so pushed Peter to a point that, that Paul saw that he had backed away from spending time with Gentiles. And in, the, in Antioch at this time, most everyone... Uh, in this area were Gentiles, right? And so what this basically meant was that Peter, because of what he was, because of what these Judaizers thought of him or maybe what he thought they would do to him, he had basically stopped sharing the gospel. Now, it wasn't because he stopped believing the gospel. Peter very much would have said, yes, Jesus saves. And he would have, he would have been able to tell you exactly what the gospel was. And he, and, and like he knew, he had the right belief, but his actions weren't lining up with his beliefs. And that's, that's hypocrisy at its core, when our actions are not lining up with our beliefs. So if we believe that Jesus wants to rescue everyone, and we aren't sharing the gospel, then that's inconsistent with our belief, and that's, that's hypocrisy. If we believe that God cares about the poor and the powerless, and we aren't helping the poor and the powerless, that's inconsistent with our beliefs. That's hypocrisy. If we believe that God calls us to purity and we're living in sexual sins, that's inconsistent with our beliefs, and that's, that's hypocrisy. And now, this is not to say that we're perfect. This is not to say we get it right all the time. But there has to be something in, in us, those of us who, believe, who have our relationship with Jesus, that draws us to make sure that our lives are lining up with the words we say. Because what was happening for Paul is it was actually hurting his witness and it was keeping people from knowing Jesus because the Gentiles noticed that this guy who once was hanging out with them and was spending time with them is now treating them like they're different, like they're lower class citizens. That completely changed the perspective of Peter at that point and completely hurt his witness. So the hypocrisy that came from Peter potentially changed eternity for some people. And so this it's, it's a big deal. And I love... I love Paul uh, in this scenario 
and this is where I talk about Paul coming in and kicking butt and taking names. But he says in, uh, in verse 11, uh, he says, he, straight up, he says, I opposed Peter to his face. So it wasn't like he wrote a letter to him or he like walked up and was like pulled him off to the side and was like, hey, hey, Peter, you, uh, you're doing this thing. No, he like walked up to him, nose to nose, the apostle Peter, and said, man, you're, you're doing it wrong. You, you're missing the gospel. The message that you proclaim with your mouth is not the way you're living your life. And that's hypocrisy and you got to get it right. You got to get it right. And so here, here's one thing I want us to get out of this. And this is important in our culture today, okay? It is not legalistic for Christians to call each other out over sin and hypocrisy. It's not legalistic. Because here's what this looks like in a scenario that's not legalistic. If it's truly about sin and it's truly about hypocrisy and not like little bickery things that happen uh, with humans sometimes. But if it's truly about sin and hypocrisy and we're doing this in the right way. You guys are in small groups. You're, you've built relationships with people here. You have friends. In those friend groups, do you love each other in Jesus enough that when you see each other doing, uh, falling into sins or not living consistency, uh, consistently with the gospel, do you love each other enough that you're willing to, to step up and call each other out? And, this is, and what's, what's cool about this is that when, the, when this works properly, this really looks less like me pointing fingers at my friend, and it looks a lot more like I'm linking arms with him, and we're trying to get further down this road together than we would individually. So I have blind spots. I have blind spots. I don't see some of the sins and things that I, that I might fall into, or I've maybe so gone into that sin that I don't, I don't realize that I've, I've kind of in my mind rationalize this thing but a friend come along and points it out can help me pull me out of this thing okay so it's not legalistic for christians uh, to call each other out over sin in hypocrisy if it's done in a loving way in a known relationship if we just go around like pointing fingers at everybody that's not that's not at all what's right here so these two stories paul's uh giving us examples of things as christians that we so easily fall into our sin nature, what we were born with, is, is selfish, right? That's the core of, the, of all the sins that we do is, is being self-focused. And so think about legalism. The reason that's wrong, one, because your motivation is wrong, but because your motivation is really more focused on yourself than it is God. If you think you can follow a checklist and in your own power earn your way to, to favor with God or make him happier because of what you're doing on your own, Who's that really centered on? Yourself, right? And hypocrisy, if, you're, if you proclaim that you follow Jesus, but then Jesus doesn't change you at all, and you live life the way you've always lived life, or maybe you go back to the way you used to live, you're doing what you want to do. You're not, you're not really focused on God. And so these things, the core of them, the core of these things are selfishness. And so these final verses uh, in this chapter here, we're going to look uh, at this, and this is where we're, Paul really starts to dial in, okay? So he's given us some negative examples here, things that we're supposed to be pushing back against, legalism and hypocrisy. And so we have, we've looked at uh, legalism, which was the, uh, the right, right behavior with wrong belief, and then we looked at hypocrisy, which is uh, the right belief with wrong behavior. And so how do we line these two things up? How do we have the right belief and live life the way we're supposed to live? 
aren't supposed to do this. And this is what Paul talks about in uh, verses 15 through 21. So let's read. We ourselves are Jews. He was reminding Peter that they were born Jewish and they were raised in the Jewish faith. Okay, And so this is Paul talking to Peter. He says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because, or excuse me, not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Verse 17 here. But if in order, uh, I can't say words. I'm sorry. Just hang in here with me. You can laugh. It's okay. Uh, 17. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners in Christ, um, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. Verse 18, this is where it really starts to, to, to barrel in here, okay? Verse 18, for if I, uh, if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So verses 15 and 16 here, Paul's reminding Peter that as as Jews, as they grew up in the Jewish religion, he's reminding Peter, he's saying, hey, look, Peter, these rules and and these rituals and stuff that you're allowing yourself to fall back into, your old way of life, Remember, that's not where your salvation comes from. Your old way of life, your old way of doing things, your selfishness, this legalism is not where your salvation comes from. Your salvation comes from faith. And faith, when we're really living in faith, that's where right belief and right behavior really line up and come together. And Paul goes on in these things and gives us uh, examples of, of what that looks like. One of the key words uh, that Paul talks about over and over and over again in the New Testament uh, talks about is, is this idea of faith, this trust in Jesus, this we're giving, we're giving ourselves, we're, we're believing in him, this faith that we have. And Paul uses the word several times in these verses we just looked at. Another word that's really huge um, in the Christian world, and we don't really talk about it uh, directly a whole lot, is this word justification, Right? We're going to get theological for a second. You ready? Justification. Justification, uh, simply defined, is the act of God declaring a sinner righteous solely through faith in Jesus. So justification is God making a declaration that your sins are forgiven. Your debt is paid. Isn't that... Isn't that incredible? I think I think we've not fully gotten that. So there's a story of this Englishman that I that I read recently. This English guy who bought uh, who's pretty wealthy. He bought a Rolls Royce. This Rolls Royce was supposed to be like the car to end all cars. All right, it was supposed to be uh, like never break down, run forever, be luxurious for the entirety of its life, which is apparently forever. It's supposed to be like the car to end all cars. Okay, and so this guy buys this thing, spends like gobs of money because it's a Rolls Royce, right? 
And so, you know, because Rolls Royce is like luxurious and supposed to be like tour the countryside with this thing. And so he thought, well, what better place to do that than the countryside of France, which is supposedly beautiful. I don't know. I've never been there. I'm poor. But he, uh, this guy takes, decides to take his Rolls Royce over to France and starts touring the countryside. And guess what? He breaks down. This car that's supposed to not break down breaks down. So he calls Rolls Royce and says, hey, your car, this car broke down. What are you going to do about it? And they say, Okay, well, well, we'll send a mechanic out there. And so they literally flew a mechanic to France to find him and fix his car. And so he's thinking to himself, I mean, this is probably going to be a pretty big bill, pretty big mechanic bill. So, I mean, I don't know about you, like when I take my, when I personally take my vehicle down to a mechanic here, like two miles down the road, I usually can't barely afford what they charge me to, to fix my vehicle. So having one flown in from another country to find you on the side of the road and then fix your vehicle, it's got to be a pretty steep bill, right? And so... Uh, He's thinking, ah, oh, this is going to be a lot of money, but this dude's pretty wealthy, remember, so he's like, I think I can handle it. Uh, so the mechanic goes along his way, and the, the guy finishes his, his deal. He goes home, and a few months goes by, and he, he starts thinking, man, I, this bill never came in. I don't want to be surprised by this. I don't want to just show up one day, and I owe this astronomical number uh, of money. And so he calls Rolls Royce again, and he says, look, I've got the money. Just tell me what's, what's it going to cost. What's, what's the bill for you flying that mechanic out? to fix my stuff. And this is what, this is what they say to him. Is I'm sorry, sir, but we have no record of anything ever having gone wrong with your car. Awesome, right? Yeah. I mean, I assume that'd probably be like thousands of dollars. Like, sorry, we don't, we don't have a record that anything ever went wrong with your vehicle. Um, it's a good day. His, his debt, gone. His bill, wiped clean. The same goes with Jesus. When you put your faith in Jesus, God looks at you, and instead of seeing the debt that we all owe, instead of seeing the sin that we all commit, when we have our faith in Jesus, God looks at us and says, sorry, I have no record of any wrong in your life. Let that sink in. When you have faith in Jesus, you're a Christian. God looks at you and says, sorry, I have no record of wrong in your life. Isn't that incredible? All your failures, all your sin, gone because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Now, I want you to understand, this is not the same, this is not God taking our sin and just sweeping it under the rug, so to say. This is not like whenever I was a kid and my mom would tell me to like go clean my room. How many of you guys have done this, right? You go clean your room and you just like shove it all in the closet and you like close the door you're right and then like your room looks clean yeah like oh this is awesome and then you like open the door and it all like comes rushing out on you again like it's all still there but it's just kind of hidden and covered up that's not what this is see because god god doesn't just sweep the sin under the rug the reason that god looks at us and doesn't see our sin and see our failures is because jesus took on all of that on the cross See, it wasn't just that God forgave our debt. It was that Jesus paid our debt. Jesus paid our debt. And so this, this addresses the right belief, this faith and belief that we're supposed to have in Jesus, this gospel. Nothing else, no rules, no rituals, none of that kind of stuff. Just Jesus, faith alone. But that doesn't, that doesn't address like, okay, so what are we still supposed to do what are, we, what are we still supposed to do in our lives? What are, how are we supposed to live? So let's look at, again here, verse 18. For if I rebuild 
Again, Paul's talking, he says, for if I rebuild what I tore down, he's talking about his former life, the legalism, the rituals, the rules, all that, that he lived by before. He says, if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. So if we're going back to the way we used to live before Jesus, you're going the wrong direction. You're going the wrong direction. And 19 says, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. Through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. He's talking about his old life before he trusted Jesus. Paul lived for the law. Paul lived for the law, which really led to death because it wasn't really pointing to God the way he thought it was. But when he put his faith in Jesus, he stopped living for the law and started living for God, where his life was focused not on obeying laws, but he was focused on Jesus. He was focused on Jesus. And so our life, when, our, when we're living a life that lines up with the, the right belief that we have, it's one that's focused on Jesus, not focused on how the, the things that we do to make God happy, but it's focused on Jesus. Verse 20. This, this verse... If you have not committed this verse to memory, this is a verse that if you're a Christian in the room, even if you're not a Christian, if you want to memorize a scripture, this is one that you need to know. This, along with several others, is, a, is really a core verse for being a Christian. Okay, so Paul says this, and, and I hope you don't miss it. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says he was crucified with Christ. We, those of us who put our faith in Jesus, we are crucified with Jesus. Which means Jesus took on all of our sin, all of who we were before we gave ourselves to him. Before we give our... Before we uh, put faith in Jesus, that's what Jesus took on the cross, was all of who we are. And so when he says, I was crucified with Christ, that means our old self, when we give our faith to Jesus, is literally crucified with Jesus. And so our old self dies so that Jesus can live in us. And so back to the original question, how can I live for God. Reality is, when you're living for God, it looks like daily you're pushing yourself away, your selfishness, your pride, all the thing, all your desires aside, and you're letting Jesus live through you. We no longer earn. We no. We no longer live to earn God's favor. We no longer think the world revolves around us. Our lives are no longer about us. Because it's about Jesus and about him living in us. So here's what it all boils down to. This, this is the key right here. <clears throat> Faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. Not just the Jesus who died on the cross, but the Jesus who lives in you. Because that not just our faith in Jesus is not just the Jesus who died on the cross, which is incredible. And it's awesome. But our faith in Jesus is a daily thing. The Jesus that lives in us. So we live by faith when we believe Christ every moment 
of every day. And so I want you to walk away with this statement. It's going to be on the screen. This is Christianity. This is what it is to live the way we're supposed to live. Believing Christ to be everything you need for every moment you live. Believing Christ to be everything you need for every moment you live. So how do we please God? How can we obey all the commands found in the gospel that Jesus gave us? Jesus gave us these commands. So obviously we're supposed to follow some kind of rules, right? Paul tells us things that we're supposed to do all the time in the New Testament. So how do we, how do we, how do we obey all these things? How do we please God? You don't. You need Jesus for that. He's the perfect, sinless one. And so when he's living through you and you're allowing him to live through you and you realize that God's happiness is not based upon your performance for him, but it's based upon Jesus' performance for you, is when you're really living a life that your actions line up with your beliefs. Putting our faith in Jesus, all our good works are a result of Jesus working in us. Let me pray and we'll go to small groups. Father, thank you for the reminder that, that we so easily fall into legalism and hypocrisy. Help us to be able to push away from those things, to constantly remember for those of us who put our faith in Jesus that, that we have to allow our old self to die and we have to be focused on you. And help us to, to live a life that is full of good works because you lead us to them, not because we're trying to please you. Help us now, Holy Spirit, as we move into small groups to be able to, to recall um, this and talk about it and be able to walk away helping each other live more closely with Jesus. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.